Welcome to the Harnessing Happiness podcast. Upbeat vibes generated and transferred to you. Now here's your host, Sarah J. Naylor. Hello and welcome to Harnessing Happiness with myself, Sarah J. Naylor. Thank you, as always, for stopping by and listening to my podcast. My words are my guests. Um, And as you might be beginning to realise by now, I sponsor my own show. So I'm Sarah J. Naylor. I'm a coach. You can find me at www. You don't need that bit, really, but sarahjnaylor.com. And yeah, I'm a midlife coach and I love helping people really through that journey in life, you know, getting some more sassing their ass, <laughs> really living your life in style and working with mind blocks and confidence, etc. A podcast host, I'm an author as well as, but you'll find me, I say, at sarahjno.com or on all the social platforms. So that's my bit over and we can get on with the show now, which is, which is where we want to be at anyway. So I am going to hand over to the fabulous Kim to introduce herself and then we can really dig in and find out more about Kim. So I'm as curious as you are. Over to you, Kim. Please introduce yourself to my absolutely fabulous audience. How can I beat that introduction, Sarah? Thank you so much for inviting me to your amazing, fabulous happiness podcast and the fabulous audience that's listening to it. I can't wait to, to get chatting properly. My name is Kim Uzel and I'm a financial coach. I've got a background in investment management, all things money, which lasted 30 odd years before I hung up my corporate boots at the end of last year. And I've been working purely on my own. You know, this is this is it. This is me. It's 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 me against the world. Sometimes it seems. But I have an absolute passion for making money more accessible, more understandable, less complex for for everybody, but particularly for women, because there are so many women out there who are a long way behind the curve in terms of their own financial independence. And that's just not right. And we've got some work to do. And so I am a woman on a mission with a message. And I'm very happy that uh, we can share some of it today. Yeah, and I'm really thrilled to have you here. So thank you for uh, thank you for joining me for this episode. It's brilliant. Because, you know, it is, you're absolutely right. It is so important. And it's, do you know what, at school, they sort of teach you all about maths and English and things like that, don't they? And they don't, but they don't teach you proper sort of finance, as in business finance or anything like that. They don't, they don't teach you all the things that you really do know. I mean, trigonometry, I'm not quite sure that helps with your bank balance, but you know, and you know, sort of the sides of a triangle. What is it? The hypothenuse? Is it, I don't know. I've forgotten. It was a long time ago. It was 41 years ago. I'm not surprised. I can't remember. We don't do it. We don't get that education it's about self-education in the area of finance and actually if people if people if you had that basic education in schools about household finances oh my gosh wouldn't the world be a different place because people would understand how to budget and that 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 sort of basic level would then prep you up for all sorts of things even just you know being an entrepreneur being a business person but you don't get taught it at schools do you you don't get taught it at schools And also, we've lost the ability to teach it at home as well. So if you think back to our grandmother's generation, when the money would come in in terms of cash in a pay packet on a Thursday, Mm -hmm. and it would be handed over to, to mother, who would then split it between all the things she needed to pay to make sure the bills were paid, the food was on the table, uh, a little bit was put away for Christmas or saving up for for a wedding or whatever it was. 
And the money lasted. There may not have been a great deal left at the end of each week, but basic budgeting was something that just happened. And we had it in a tangible form. That cash came in and then it was separated out. Some of us had those, remember those um, money boxes, those tin money boxes with all the different slots in. And they sit on top of the of the mantelpiece and they all had their labels. And then when we got extra, I'm showing my age now, but when we got you know slightly more technical, we would go to the post office and buy stamps towards our car tax, our electricity, our water bills. And you could, again, budget quite normally. There was no shame attached to it. It was just the way that it was back in the day. And that has all been lost because it's all been taken over by technology. My first Saturday job, I used to count change back to people in the shop. Oh, yes, gave, me yeah. too, me too. No, and you would count back up, you know, £2.47, £2.48, £2.50, £3, £4.5, and 5 makes 10 And it was all mental accounting, mental arithmetic, that we just took in our stride. And then with technology, that was all taken away from us. The ability was taken over by an electronic till or the calculator or the fact that our wages went straight into the bank and everything was taken over by direct debits. So it's come at us by so many different ways over the years, over the decades. But what we haven't done is kept up with that in terms of changing the way we teach about it. So we've got lots yeah. of people who've lost those skills and now have nobody to teach them. You're absolutely right. And yet I, I was going to ask you that question, you know, when and what happened? And it is, you're right. It's the sort of the, the technology that's taken over, which is great in one respect, but in another, it's that cognitive behaviour, that, beha- that that sort of joining the dots and having to learn to join the dots because of all of that. And and I think, gosh, it's really tricky, isn't it? Because it, it is fabulous that the world we live in in so many respects, but it's actually hampered our growth in reflection as well. And they talk about millennials um, not really maturing until they're about 30 now because they're not having to do things for themselves. Like, you know, you'll remember, I mean, I used to get, you know, if you want to go somewhere, you get the map out, you try and work out where you're going, you, you plan it all, or, you know, you, you've got telephone, you've got to, you've got to t- dial out the numbers, you've got to remember that telephone, you've got to go to the phone box, you've got to put some numbers in, you want to go for an interview, you want to go, you've got an interview, or you want to find some information, you go to do some research. Now you just sit there and press a button. You, there's no sort of learning. And when it comes down to finances, absolutely, you don't get that physical money and when you see it physically in fact I have to say you know we were previously chatting about coaching or other things that do work online but equally so when it's it doesn't exist it's not tangible when you have that experience of holding something you value it you can feel it and you there's an attach not an attachment but you are an understanding I think and a, more of an awareness when you've actually had a physical experience with something and, and one of the things with money is that we've gone from taking cash out of the cash machine to simply using our debit cards, or we used to write checks back in the old days. Then debit cards came along. Then we had contactless, so you didn't even need to put that PIN number in or anything like that. So just simply tapping your debit card or even your watch or your smartphone instead of handing over cash or anything like that, it it doesn't even register. You don't have that process. You don't have that time to process the fact that this is money that is being spent and is coming out of your bank account. It's happened so quickly. And if you go 
go to a bar on a Friday night where the bar is three or four people deep. You buy a round of drinks and they shout over the crowd how much it is. You don't hear it. You just tap your debit card and you, you know, they'll ask you, do you want a receipt, love? And you go, no, 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 I don't need it. And so you haven't even got that little piece of paper to sort of look at later on. And some of that is great and convenient and it means we don't have to carry around loads of cash. But you know, I haven't been to a cash machine since before COVID because everything that I do, I can pay by you know, electronic means. That's massive. That's a huge move, move forwards. And and yet it's also a step back because we're not computing, we're not registering those those purchases. Debt is so easy in it now. You don't need to, to go and apply for a loan. You don't have to sit there in a bank and ask somebody for a loan and fill out a form. You have something on your on your app more often than not that simply says, Would you like to? You, know, you could be eligible for this much today press this button here and it'll be in your bank account in five minutes. And all of a sudden you've got that there without even having the need to to really think it through. And buying things online with PayPal credit and Klarna and Layby and all of these instant pay in three or pay in four um, opportunities are, are just there and they're too easy to resist and or too difficult to resist. And you, know, you can even get your food delivery, your takeaway food delivery on pay in three now. So if you order a McDonald's, for example, other fast food is available. But if you order McDonald's and ask for it to be delivered by Just Eat or Uber Eats or one of those, then you can press the button that says I'll pay for it over three months. If you've got to pay for your McDonald's over three months, you can't afford that McDonald's. But what you are doing is you are simply creating debt and you're not having that real opportunity to, to think otherwise. And once you're in it, you're in it. Absolutely. And then and my, my mind is going nine to the dozen at what you're saying. And it's a, a, I was say, like a viper's nest of stuff, isn't it, really? Because you're, you're being marketed all this stuff that you apparently you can't live without people have lost that ability to budget because as you said it's all become automated and you don't have that as we've already talked about that sort of recognition of of cash and what that actually looks like people have lost that again probably for the same reason lost that ability to do the home cooking that we would have grown up with I mean I love home cooking but and I I shudder I was round at my partner's house it's on the market it's just anyway about two or three weeks ago and they were having a McDonald's delivered to home I went what? I just couldn't quite believe what I was seeing being delivered. I mean, that's I'm not being judgmental, but it's just like, well, you know, the cost of, of that, the food that doesn't have any content to it in terms of goodness for your body, and you are what you feed your body. There's just so much. It's such a massive topic of which money, as we've said, is like an energy exchange, and you, you, you're exchanging your hard-earned cash for something that actually isn't the value that it really ought to have. And think of the food that you, the good quality meals that you could cook and make and enjoy and live happier and healthier if you're actually putting the right food. But this, it's all about messaging, isn't it? We're caught up into this this world of automation marketing overproduction it's just crazy whereas actually if you strip it all back we could make life so much simpler for ourselves and, and and use the money in so many different ways yeah just going back to basics it's a huge step but it's an essential step look at the food thing that you, you were talking about you know a few years ago when we had jamie oliver coming in and, and trying to change school dinners it got 
momentum, it, it made changes. It wasn't perfect, but we did have somebody standing up saying, do you realise what your children are eating? And you know, how can you how can you change this? How can we change this? In the, the arena of money, we don't we don't seem to have that yet. We've got some people who have always been champions of it, but we, we don't have anybody new standing up and making it into something that people will, will sit up and listen, uh, as we have had with Davina in the menopause, for example, when she came along a couple of years ago and did that documentary uh, as a one-off, the conversation changed. And as a result of that one documentary, there were was suddenly people who weren't afraid to admit that they were suffering. There were people who weren't afraid to go to their employers and say, I need some more support. And while you're at it, why don't you put on some some training for everybody else so they know what to look for. And although, yes, there's still a lot to do in food and the menopause and all of these areas, it's a start. Whereas I sort of feel a little bit lost sometimes with trying to get this money message out there, that it's not all about restricting yourself. It's not all about cutting everything out of your life and you know being frugal. That's what you want to do. That's that's fine. And some people need to do more of that. But it's about educating yourself into what is a good choice. What can you control? I can't control the amount of my water bill or council tax to a certain extent, because as long as I'm careful and not leaving my taps running, I can't change that. I can't change my water supplier. I can't shop around for anything. So I've got to accept that. But I can change some of the other spending decisions. And that's for me to change. That's for me to look at and for me to make good choices, better choices, so that my money gives me the best that it can do. But so many people think that it's all or nothing, that they can't do anything. They can't afford to make those changes or they don't want to restrict themselves. And I'm I'm definitely not about restricting. I'm just about choice and understanding. Well, that's it. You've hit on a very, very big word there, which is choice. We all have choices. We have choices every day in life. As you've you've alluded to, there are certain things that are outside of our control. However, with, with the bulk of our life we have choices in what we do we have choices in how we respond to things and you know we have choices in terms of you know how we spend our money and and it's it's down to interpretation isn't it I mean there are some people you know sadly who are very 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 far at the bottom you know and haven't got any money but again it comes down to mindset because you can have people with nothing who feel wealthy and you can have people who are wealthy who say well I haven't got anything because it's down to their perception and money mindset you know, you can you could live so so frugally, but absolutely love your life because you have no desires for all those material possessions, which actually, invariably, we don't necessarily need. They can enhance our life, but they're not the things that are going to ultimately make us happy because we make ourselves happy. We make ourselves happy from being happy with ourselves internally. It's sort of all down to the you know inner work, but it's about education, isn't it? It's raising that level of awareness and understanding, and. As you said, it's it's trying to get that message out to people. And I think that's true, do you know, of, of coaching generally as well. I mean, I, I've very much become aware of the need to coach people to <laughs> inadvertently coach people to understand how powerful coaching is. And likewise, it's helping people to understand because we 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 get caught up into patterns of behaviour that are familiar. They might not be comfortable 
but that becomes that person we are, oh, I can't afford this. Well, actually, you can do because you've got 60 grand in the bank. You're just choosing not to spend the money on yourself. Or there's just so many examples I could give, but it's what your values are, really. But you can change everything. As you say, without being frugal, you know, you can go, I think... Mean, Quite often we'll be in Sainsbury's or co-op, you know, I don't know, about 7, 7, and you nip down for more milk. I think we need to we need to order a cow to live in the garden, the amount of milk we get through. But, you know, I've picked up like two fillets of sea bass on a regular basis for just over a pound. Go in the freezer. I've not got a massive, I've only got three drawers. I haven't got a big chest freezer or anything like that. But, you know, you think, oh, I think I'll have those. <laughs> the thing with all of this is having that right mindset and, and knowing that actually all of the stresses around money, they're not aimed at any one type of person. They're not aimed at people living in a certain postcode area or uh, doing a certain job at uh, nine to five. They they cover everybody, all incomes, all aspects of, of our society, um, all cultures. You know, every, everybody will have something going on in a different way with different traditions and different expectations from their communities. That's, you know, that's part of the fabric of life. The basic education and the basic mindset stuff needs to be looked at by everybody because even at the top of the food chain, if you like, the top of the earnings chain, if you are earning six or seven figures a year, but you are working 15 or 16 hours a day to keep that money coming in, where is your quality of life? You know, where is the time spent with your children? Where is the holidays? And are you going on holiday and still working? Where are you getting the benefit of that money? Or are you still working 15 or 16 hours because you've got a salary that has allowed you to buy a bigger house with a bigger mortgage, buy a couple of of good cars, pay the school fees for the children. And now actually you realise that you've stretched yourself too far, but you've got to keep paying them because your mindset says, I can't admit that, that this has gone wrong. I can't, I can't show my face in the tennis club again if I have to if I have to turn up in a different car. And some people might say, well that's first world problems, but Money problems are real. When they happen, they're real for everybody, regardless of who you are. And if you're in a relationship and you're relying on two incomes and that relationship breaks down, it doesn't matter whether you're earning £10,000 each or you know a million pounds each. If suddenly you lose half the income coming into the household, that's one heck of an adjustment that you've got to be ready for. The sad fact is that most of us aren't. We're not always as independent as we think we are or how other people think we are. So there are so many aspects to this that we need to be addressing. Plenty to unravel. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, gosh, we've only just sort of scratched the surface in in what we've talked about so far, because actually, as you said, that if you brought it all the way back down to the budgeting in the first instance, if everybody was educated to do that, I'm talking about talking about myself as well, because it's all too easy. You know, you didn't, as I've just said, you nip down to Sainsbury's <laughs> to get some milk and you come back with more things than you planned for. It's like, okay, okay, I've got some bargains. So that's, I've justified that. But, you know, it's all too easy when you go out. But actually, if you are more aware of the money you've got and what you should and shouldn't, well, you know, not should and shouldn't, I don't believe in that, but those words, because um, that's somebody project, projecting that onto you. But if you are aware of what money you have, then you're more mindful in terms of how you spend it. And actually, I think if you drown out all the advertising, 
telling you you want all of this stuff. And actually, if you stay out of the shops, that's not a bad thing as well. But it's, you know, but back in the day, you know, I remember, and you probably will as well, you know, you, you, presents would be, you know, the things that you required you'd have as a present for birthday or Christmas. There wouldn't be this constant flow of stuff that children wanted throughout the year and having to keep up and the pressures it's just it's just a whole minefield but that whole coming back to the budgeting I think is such a fundamental thing but then even beyond that it's understanding how to invest your money as well isn't it I mean all the things that you can do to make your money work for you but again it comes down to education and awareness and how you access that and how you can encourage people to learn that's the exciting bit though because when you do get people together in a group who who start realising collectively that they can do things and they start sharing those little wins with each other and they start encouraging each other, then as a movement, it, it's phenomenal. So for every person that, that I get to work with, I know that they are potentially going to tell their friends about what they're doing, what they're learning. They, they're going to talk to their children in a different way and they're going to have more healthy conversations with money and they're not going to be afraid of investing and they're going to be rather more savvy and aware of what's going on online and, and less likely to get caught up in you know, some ridiculous scam or you know something that seems too good to be true but they still go for it anyway. So every time I, I have one of those clients coming my way and I get that, that opportunity to work with them and just shift it a little bit you know, further along the line, I know that the ripple effect is going to be phenomenal. But so many people don't even know. It sounds, that sounds really, um, you know, really condescending, but it's it's true. They they don't know, for example, what inflation really means to their money. You know, we hear things on the news, on the radio every month. Cost of living's gone up. Inflation's doing this, but what does it actually mean? And I had one one of my ladies coming through my my investment boot camp recently who said, I am 51 years old and I've got a master's degree. And it's only this week that I finally understood what inflation is doing to my money. Well, I'll have to put my hands up. You know, I I just don't follow things like that myself. You know, I I think I've been unconsciously competent, I think, (laughs) to a degree of, of, you know, of sort of making moves that have seen me okay. But, you know, as for sort of a lot of stuff, you know, yeah, you just, unless it's something that interests you, but it ought to be something we all paid attention to, whether we're interested in it or not. And I've just started to try and get into a more regular habit of looking at my different bank accounts and listing what's going out. And because that's the other thing, you know, you suddenly you're in a world with so many blooming bank accounts as well. You go, oh, I need one for this. And I need one for that. And I need one for this. And got two for my banking, to business. And I've got... <laughs> But if I were to say to you, you know, um, you've got £10,000 in the bank, leave it in there and next year it's going to be only worth £9,000, you might suddenly become interested in it, you know, because all of a sudden, hang on a minute, I've just lost in the course of a year £1,000 and I haven't even touched it. What's going on there? I thought by leaving it in the bank it was safe. And, And actually that's what inflation is doing. It's eroding your money in real terms. So although you might look at your bank account and see that there's still £10,000 there, what can that £10,000 buy you now compared with 12 months ago? And the answer is not nearly as much. So you know, if, you, if you look at these things 
with a little bit of, of understanding and education there, the interest is suddenly there as well because you think, hang on, hang on a minute, no, I, I don't want to, I don't want to go off and do an economics degree or anything like that, but I do want my thousand pounds still to be worth at least a thousand pounds, you know, because otherwise, you know, I might as well say, Sarah, just you know, give give me that money now. I'll, I'll the middleman. Here's my bank details. Just just send it to me instead. So. There are so many people who say that they're not interested in it, but actually they would be if they knew how easy it is to to get to grips with it, to understand it and make these little changes. And all of a sudden you get that confidence. Not only have you got a little bit of understanding, but you can now talk to somebody else. You can talk to your children or your niece or your goddaughter about what she needs to do with her first income to make sure that she is always one step ahead of the game rather than three steps behind it, that she is ready for her time away to have children, that she is ready for uh, whatever curveballs life throws at her because they will come along. A bit like pensions as well, isn't it? Preparing for that because you... Because, I mean, my ex-husband, I used to have regular arguments with him. He knew better, of course. Oh, no, nobody's, I'm not having a pension. Nobody's telling me to have a pension. And I started paying into a pension. Must have been in my 20s, late 20s, mid-20s. I don't know. Can't remember. Something like that. In my 20s anyway. And then when we did get divorced, he said, well, I'm not going to take any of your pension. I was like, I'm right, you're not. <laughs> we had similar. I had a pension. Not, not a huge one. Um, but I had a pension and my ex-husband didn't. And as part of our financial settlement, the judge awarded him my pension. So I had to sign over my pension when I was 40 and start again when I was 41. It can happen. But the, the point is that if we if we don't do anything, you know, we aren't going to have it. So I could have just said at 41, well, it's too late. You know, I've given I've had to give it all away. You know, life's rubbish and it's so unfair. And you know, but, it, but I'm too old to make a start. But instead, I made that decision that whatever time I had left in, ahead of me, I was going to carry on working in one form or another. And I had a future that I was jolly well wanting to enjoy. And I certainly knew that I couldn't rely on anybody else because all of a sudden I was on my own. That means putting money away into a pension fund then that's exactly what I'll do. And and over that 12 years since that happened, I'm not going to have as big a pension pot as I would have done. That goes without saying. But I'm certainly not sitting here panicking about how I'm going to feed myself when I get to retirement age because I I took that decision to to do something. You know, even though it was hard at the time because I was trying to adjust and I had the children and, you know, I needed, I had a mortgage to pay. I wanted to have a life. I wanted to you know, go out and have a couple of gin and tonics on a Friday night after work and that yes, sort of thing. Yes, because you've got well. to live in the present as well as plan for the future, haven't That's you? That's it. But I also knew that I needed to have choices in my future. You know, and we know, none of us know how long we've got. And I often use the the example. My my dad died at fifty five from from something completely unexpected. And so he didn't have chance to enjoy his pension fund. But his mother only died this summer at 99. And so the fact that she had saved, you know, she was a she was a hardworking, working class background. She worked at Campbell's Soup. And my granddad worked at, um, first of all, on the London buses and then at Ford and Dagenham. And so they were proper working class people, but they were careful with their money and they, they saved for their future. And as a result, when she needed that care in her old age 
she could have it she could afford it and not only that but she could afford the nice things she still had her nails painted every week she still had still had her hair done um every other week and that's because she had made that provision during her lifetime and and so we we none of us know which way we're going to go we know, none of us know when our time is up but if we can get that balance right between enjoying the here and now making memories spending time with our friends and family, having the nice food, you know, have that sea bass fillet, go and get it out of the freezer and defrost it ready for tomorrow. But also putting some money away for our future so that we can Mm. take our children or our grandchildren on holiday. We can step back from work when we want to, not when it's forced upon us. Or we can start that new business that we want to start. You know, people are starting businesses later and later and later in life. We want all of those choices. But if we do nothing, if we simply say, oh, well, a bit tough right now. I'll do it next year. I'll get around to it. I'll do this first. And we never make that start. Well, we're going to be we're going to be stuck in a few years time. And not only that, but we're going to be teaching those stuck lessons to our children too. And exactly. It's the it's the stories we're telling ourselves and the stories we're telling and passing on. And you know, it's all too easy to to pass it on inadvertently as well, and be quoting stuff. And if you hear lack all the time, you build up. You 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 grow up with a, a lack mindset. I mean, I know I grew up with my parents. There was never sort of a huge amount of money about. My my granddad had on my father's side had had a big um, been part of a partner in a big car auction room business. But no, there wasn't. Don't get me wrong. None of the money came. <laughs> to the family but you know my dad had a a job and mum was sort of very risk averse and money was always tight growing up and I think when you hear those stories it's all too easy to get into that sort of scarcity mindset but actually money's an energy it's abundant it's it's how you think about it but it's also being aware and how you manage it isn't it so like we come back to the sort of the budgeting to start with but equally so you know it's putting that within that budgeting it is putting some of that money aside for that rainy day that future that pension when you might need it so you've got it that you can draw upon it I mean what what are you know what other sort of tips would you really give people that they can start doing straight away Kim what would what you know what what is it? You know, is it is it about going and finding somebody who can get some advice and you know, working with someone like yourself? Or is it sort of educating themselves, doing whatever it is they can? I don't know, tuning into stuff. Because some things are just like, they're too far-fetched, aren't they? It, it, people talk beyond and it do, it's not accessible. I mean, it's just helping people. Because actually, money is so fundamental to everybody's life. And it, it is a, it's a big part of how you feel and how happy you are and how anxious you are or how overwhelmed you are with all the rising costs. But it, to me, it's how you how you look at it and how you perceive it. So the first thing I would say is always remember that you're only going to hear the bad news on the news. So don't, you know, don't listen to the news unless you're prepared to go and and look for both sides of the story. Because if we'll hear often that the FTSE 100 you know, slumped in early trade or whatever, they don't tell you that it recovered nicely a couple of hours later. Or you know, what does slump mean? If the FTSE 100 slumped, they they mean it probably went down by 0.6 or 0.7%. And yet, you know, cryptocurrency is going down by 15% in the same period. But they, they don't talk about that in the same way. They don't, the, the comparison so that you can keep things real. And 0.6%, well, there's a very good chance that tomorrow 
it's going to make up all of that again. They will tell you it's been a bad day in markets, but they don't tell you, hurrah, it's been a good day today. You know, I know. We've, <laughs> we've, seen, we've seen traders in the streets with you know party poppers and, and you know, party hats on because it's been a good day. They don't just say that. They say slump in the markets or um, billions wiped off the value of pension funds today as the you know, global markets fell. Yes, that's true. But there's always a, a recovery around the corner. And sometimes that recovery is, is simply later that day or you know, later that week. So we need to be keeping everything in context. And so that's the first thing is if you're going to listen to things, if you're going to go out and try and educate yourself without anybody else's help, then make sure you get a, a rounded education. That's my number one tip. My second one is think about what you're spending and why. If you are buying a takeaway on your way home from work more often than, than not, what is it that is pushing you to do that? Is it because you've had a really bad day at work? Is it because you have spent longer at work than you intended to and you haven't got time to cook before the children have got to be out at whatever club it is that they go to on a Wednesday evening? What is the reason behind the spending? Because you can't just address the spending if you don't address what's going on behind it. So if you're buying that takeaway because you've had another crappy day at work, then the issue is the crappy day at work, not the money. And solve the crappy day at work stuff and the money side will then follow on. Think about why you're spending as well as what you're spending, because otherwise you'll lose faith in your own ability to budget because you'll try and spend less on takeaways. But it doesn't really happen because you haven't addressed what's going on. You haven't changed the underlying reason and therefore you can't change the pattern of behaviour. So consciously spend your money. Just take that moment before you pay to ask yourself, why am I buying this? Do I really want this bigger packet of something just because it says it's on special offer? Or is it going to be sat in the cupboard three quarters full for the next eight months before I throw it out? Just think a little bit about what you're spending. That doesn't mean stop spending on luxuries occasionally or that better brand of product or that better quality. Think about how you're spending your money and why. And if it, if it gives you good value, if it gives you something that really genuinely makes you smile rather than just makes you resent it you know, 10 minutes after you get home, keep going. By doing that conscious spending, you can then save quite a lot of money and you can become happier in the process. Because if you've, if you've got rid of that crappy job that is making you miserable, or if you've had that conversation with your boss that leads to a change in something at work that makes you less miserable at work, then it's win-win because you get better nine to five conditions or with nicer people or whatever it might be that's that's causing you the grief. And as a result of being happier, you make better spending choices. And if you then make better spending choices, you're happier because you don't ever have buyer's remorse. So it's a big cycle that we can break. But of course, there's lots of, of, of aspects to that and it's not always easy just to say oh, I'm going to make a change you know working with a coach in that that chosen area if it's a if it's a career issue then going to a career coach is going to be the, the, the right thing for you to make that change if it's a relationship issue then going to a relationship coach could be the thing that you need rather than a money mindset coach or an investment coach but if you want to do better things with your money and know where to go and get that real help if you can't see it for yourself then working with 
uh, a financial coach, somebody like me, or, or just me, I don't mind, shameless plug, is going to help you identify those those reasons for that spending. It's going to dig a little bit deeper and whether it's something that's happened in the last couple of years or very recently, or whether it's something that you're bringing with you from your childhood or or beyond. You know, maybe it's your grandparents that have instilled this in you. We can recognise it and we can work with it and we can change it. Those patterns of behaviour then change. And at the same time, learning how to invest sensibly, sustainably for your future, not just for a quick win. You know, that's not, not investing, that's speculating or gambling. So learning to invest small amounts, little and often, in a way that fits with your values and your your lifestyle choices and your needs for the future is going to give you those choices in the future. So you know, there's so, so much you can do. Brilliant advice. And you're absolutely right. So much of it comes down to um, behavioural changes um, and also making that decision and the choices like we mentioned earlier. making that decision having that choice everybody every day has a choice you can either choose to get advice from someone like you know kim or someone like myself if it's to do with midlife i mean i do careers as well you know because that's part of who i am it is the choices but it is that change in behavior and it is that working with your mindset you want your behavior you have that control over it once you become aware of it then you can make the changes and you know we can all turn our lives around really quite quickly once we sort of recognize that and and take action how do people get in touch with you kim uh, if they want to know more about sort of investing the money or money mindset stuff how, how do they find you so you can come and find me uh, via my website which is mymoneymovement.co.uk uh, come and find me on linkedin so i'm there as kim uzel u-double-z-e-double-l there aren't that many of us on there and uh, and the same on instagram kim uzel money coach I will get you to me and then you can either just follow my my daily blurb that I put out there and just take those those bits of, of useful information and make of them what, whatever you want. Or you can take part in one of my group programs and, and start making that change. Or if you need one to one coaching, you know, I'm you know, more than happy to do that as well. Get real eyes on your situation, your money story, uh, whatever that may look like. No shame, no judgment. You know, we've all got things that we would really quite like to change and we can facilitate that it can be the best investment you know coaching of any sort can be the best investment in yourself and with money in particular because the money that you spend in in coaching and learning and understanding is then going to free up your your money mindset and make give you better choices help you stop wasting money and start investing it for growth instead so instead of losing that money in your bank account or wasting that money on stuff you don't need you're going to put that money to better use it will grow and it will more than cover what you've spent on on learning and dealing with whatever issues you've got in the background anyway thank you so much kim and thank you all for listening if you've enjoyed this episode please do rate review follow subscribe share we'd like sharing share because it's you know the content and the the you know fundamentally certainly you know in terms of this episode money and finance you know it is it is fundamental to how happy you feel within yourself if you know you're in control of it and you know what you're doing with your money and you're not anxious and you're not worrying about where the next sort of 10p or whatever it is whatever currency you're in comes from you know it's yeah so important but invest in yourself take care thank you for listening um if you can find me over at sarahjnaylor.com as i mentioned at the start and until next time lots of love from me so take care goodbye for now 
Thanks for listening to the Harnessing Happiness podcast with Sarah J. Naylor. If you took value from the content, please follow the show on your podcast app. And to find out more about Sarah's ape mindset, visit sarahjnaylor.com. That's sarahjnaylor.com.